Blog Talk Radio. Riding through this world all alone. Gotta take your soul. You're on your own. The crow flies straight. Perfect line. Welcome to Way in Sports Talk. Today is Sunday, February 16th. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564, or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino, or follow us on Twitter at Way in Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in. Thank you, Michelle, for the intro, and welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. Glad you're here with us Sunday night. And guys, I know the the NBA All Star Game is is about to come on right now. But hopefully, you got some sense and you come in and listen to us instead of watching this this basketball game. Trey, welcome to the show, man. What do you think about this year's NBA All Star Game? Does it have you fired up or what? Well, I, mean, I, I uh, I'm not watching it. I don't plan on watching it. Uh, so no, I'm not fired up. Uh, I, I will say uh, that I did hear uh, secondhand there wasn't even a dunk contest winner last night. So I mean that should tell you uh, everything you need to know about the NBA All Star uh, Weekend game, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I, I don't know what is it about the Pro Bowl. I know you didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. Didn't even know it was on really. And now the NBA All Star Game. What is it, Trey? I mean, I watched the the All Star Game in baseball, but why can't we? We stomach watching this NBA All-Star Game in the the Pro Bowl. Well, I, I mean, I think the NBA All-Star Game is at least a little bit above the Pro Bowl in watchability, but it's just, I mean, in the hierarchy of sports, it's just not going to make the list very often of things I'm going to watch. I mean, just, I, I don't know. It's, it's no defense basketball. It's, it's, it's just not basketball. It's an exhibition, uh, and that's really what it is. I mean, so uh, this doesn't interest me at this moment. I would rather watch reruns of Army Wives than watch a live NBA All-Star game. And I know there's a lot of fans out there that probably will, you know, send me bad messages for that. But, man, I I just can't watch it. I just can't watch a no-defensive game, players out there acting like they're in eighth grade playing. Trey, I'm just not interested in it. So, hey, I'm glad we're doing the show tonight. Hopefully people will join us live tonight instead of listening to the archives. So uh, how's, how's your week been so far, man? Oh man, can't complain, can't complain. What's uh, what's on the what's on the agenda tonight, man? What are we gonna talk about? Well, we're gonna talk some college hoops. You know, we're a month away from Selection Sunday. Maybe that'll get you stirred up. I know it takes it takes us a while to get into basketball sometimes, but I just want to see where you are in college basketball. Let's talk about some of these teams where they are now. I want to talk about Incognito and Martin the Finding. I know you're interested. I know you're dying, chomping at the bit to talk about that one. And I also want to talk about the college football, the hurry-up, uh, no-huddle offenses, this this rules committee. I can't remember if we touched on it last week or not, Trey, but I want to get in detail about that. But, hey, man, what do you have on the agenda tonight? Well, I mean, I, I guess you know, those issues as well, I do think college basketball is starting to come up. I mean, there's also another sport which is starting to come up, uh, which is Major League Baseball. 
Uh, I don't know if you know, but Craig Timbrell for the Atlanta Braves, the closer, signed a an extension uh, today for four years and like $42 million. It's a great, great move from the Braves to lock up yet another young arm. So the Braves are doing some good good moves right now, Parvin. What about, was it Tehran that, that they signed yesterday? Yep, Tehran, yeah, they signed him. Or Tehran, yeah. I mean, he's a, what do you think about him? I think that was uh, a great move by them. They need those young arms, and they need to lock them down now. I thought it was a great move by Atlanta. What are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, I thought it was a fantastic move. Uh, if you look at Tehran's numbers last year, especially in the second half, I mean, the kid, the kid threw well. Uh, definitely somebody worth locking up at this point, uh, and, you know, it's kind of a you're banking on some injury risk and you know some bust risk for both you know for both those guys. But Kimbrel's such a guy we've seen before. I mean, it's not a one-hit wonder for him, and this guy's been doing it year in and year out. And Tehran is such a so just a uh, a talented arm, and he was just started last year. So very good moves from the Atlanta Braves, Carvin. Well, it's getting close to to that time of year, and, and I hate I can't play fantasy with you this year, Trey. Hopefully, I can you know my my run. Uh, the Tucson Sidewinders is over. You know, I peaked early, Trey. I, I went off the last few years, but maybe I can come back with you next year and join it. But how much baseball am I not going to keep up with now that if I'm not playing fantasy baseball? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how out of the out of the loop you get very quickly. Uh, fantasy sports does keep you involved, especially when it comes down to player statistics and that kind of stuff. I mean, you may. You may watch your team, uh, you know, uh, but other than that, you know, fantasy kind of keeps you involved in almost every team. So we'll have to see how far you come out of it, Tarvin. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna try to stay in, stay into it. And, again, I apologize. I will be back hopefully next year. Maybe we can do another league or something. But, hey, let's start right quick in college basketball. Like I said, we're a month away from Selection Sunday. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the Florida-Kentucky game last night. It was on ESPN. No, I I didn't. Uh, you know that's uh, unfortunately it's a good game. You know from what I understand, and certainly those are the two worth watching teams in the SEC. But you know it's still the SEC is still not up there in, in leagues I'm going to watch in college basketball at this point. Yeah, but I want to talk about Kentucky and Florida to start with, and we'll move on to other teams. But when I watched Kentucky last night, you know towards the end of the second half they started falling off a little bit. And and I want to get your opinion. You look at a Florida team that's ranked currently number two, twenty three and two record. They went to Kentucky, a place they haven't they hadn't lost in a long time, Trey, and they beat them by ten points. But when you look at Florida, I know they're number two, but have they flown under the radar this year? In your opinion, when I started watching them play the last few weeks more serious, I see how good of a team they have, and it's it's not that they have. NBA first-rounders, they have seniors all over that team, Trey, and they've lost two games this year, and both times they lost Connecticut and I think Wisconsin, I believe. They had two or three players out both of those games, but with a full roster, they're they're 23-0, and 0, and I just want your thoughts. How, how big of an impact is that going to be in March when Florida's playing with all of these seniors that's been there four years? I think that gives them a flat-out advantage right now to be the favorite to win it all. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. They're not as battle tested as a lot of a lot of teams are in better conferences, and that, that's going to hurt Florida. Is playing in the SEC. They haven't played um, some of the top notch clubs that a lot of these teams have. I mean, look at the sort of gauntlet Syracuse and some of the Big Ten teams have run through. Uh, they're going to be just as ready. I mean, Florida obviously is coached by you know Billy Donovan. They're a world class basketball team. 
but I don't think you can you know label them as a favorite right now. I think they're in the running absolutely. Uh, there's no doubt about it. They're one of the teams who are going to get a lot of people in their bracket putting them down as a possible champion. But it's an odds-on favorite. Uh, I don't see it, Darwin. Well, what do you what do you think about the Kentucky Wildcats? And I'm one of those that's preached this year that you get you get into March. I think if this team gels, they're going to be very dangerous. But but Trey, I, I just I mean we're a month away, and am I have I been just blowing smoke? Really, is there any chance this Kentucky team can hit their stride going into March and and be a good tournament team? Because their guard play is one thing I've noticed that, that's holding them back. They have good interior play, big men but they just can't seem to get it going at the guard play, and that's Calipari's M.O. When he's winning championships, he has some great guard play. Can Kentucky rebound, Trey, and push it in another direction? Well, I mean, let's be honest, Tarv. I mean, you, you, you've kind of been pushing Kentucky since last year, and, you know, they never gelled. Uh, it, it was surprising. I mean, let's give credit where credit's due, buddy. You, you were picking on – you were saying Kentucky's all that last year as well. But you weren't alone. Uh, let's be, I mean, so we can we can start there. But, uh, you know, Kentucky is an interesting team. They're better than they were last year. Uh, so I think some people are going to discount them because they haven't uh, sort of lived up to a lot of that, uh, that you know, freshman phenom status that a lot of those guys in that roster have. Uh, and they haven't lived up to that. So, you know, I think people are going to buy in a little bit more than they should uh, for Kentucky. But this is a better team than they were last year. I mean, they're a solid uh contender, or they're a solid uh, team that will make the tournament this year, where last year they were looking like a, a bubble team at this point. So they're, they're better than they were last year, Tarvin. So I think when you're talking about your, you know, whether they're going to gel, I think there's a better chance this year than we saw last year. So I wouldn't count Kentucky out. Um, you know, whether I think they're going to be a Final Four type of team, Tarvin, I don't see it right now. I see maybe if they get their, their, their stuff together, maybe a Sweet 16 run. Yeah, and and you're right. Last year they were they were on the bubble. They they lost the first round of the NIT. This year they're 19 and six. They are battle tested, and I was hoping that all of these games early in the season against top quality opponents would really benefit them now, and maybe it will. But I don't know. It just seems like you know they're they're not they're not as far as I was hoping. But you look at Florida; they're number two at 23 and two. Now, let me ask you this about Florida. And number are you two. saying they're number two because they're going to be number two, or is the poll because the poll went out that I've seen? Yeah, this morning it comes out in the morning and then on Sunday nights. But the new poll had Florida number two at 23 and two, Villanova three, Wichita <laughs> State four, and Arizona five. Is that the AP? Yes. Okay. All right, yeah, I haven't seen the new AP yet. I knew there were three in the old AP, but I haven't seen the new one yet. Well, I think, it, who was it, Arizona lost Friday night. I believe that's what knocked them from number two. But is it fair that Florida, with two losses at number two, over a Wichita State team at number four that's 26-0 and 0 right now? Why is Wichita State not getting really any love? They're a very good team that, that made the Final Four last year. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Wichita State probably deserves the number two ranking, and in fact, they are number two in the coaches' poll. I mean, so you know, there there is some love there from the coaches. The AP obviously does not. You know, one of the things with the AP, you know, we give a lot of credit you and I do to the AP in football. I think they're a better, um, it's a better poll in football. Um, but in, in basketball, Tarvin, it's, it's so hard to watch all of these basketball games, and Wichita State is a team that isn't on TV. So, you know, and there's a little bit of uh, – probably a little bit of bias in that regard because people haven't seen them play. And then I think they also get this sort of discount 
of the fact that you know what league they're playing in as well. I mean, you know, it, it's you know when you talk about the even the SEC, which is maybe the fourth or fifth league, it's certainly still above the Missouri Valley Conference. Well, let, let's talk about a little bit about the Big Ten. I saw a debate going on about how great the Big Ten is in basketball. I mean, look, they're a scrappy bunch in the Big Ten. I see some good teams. You see them beating up on each other a lot, Trey. But I don't, I don't see any team in the Big Ten this year that could win a championship. I don't even see a team in there that could make the Final Four, maybe. And maybe that's why I want you to correct me if I'm wrong. If you think I'm wrong, Big Ten's a, a good basketball conference from top to bottom. But they're, they're just, to me, they're a bunch of above mediocre teams, really, that beat up on each other. What are your thoughts on the Big Ten? Well, I mean, Tarvin, the, the Big Ten is a premier league. They're number two right now in the RPI. I mean, you're talking about the, what they've produced on the court against, you know, top 10, top 25 teams. I mean, they, they've got the wins. And so if you look at what happened last year, Tarvin, and the, brand, the run Michigan made, for instance, and if you think about Michigan where they were ranked going into the tournament, they certainly didn't look like a team that could make the run they did. And so I think there's several teams in the Big Ten that could do, do just what happened last year, uh, which is go out there. Um, and, and and beat teams and, and make the you know make these you know the tournament interesting. I mean, heck, Tarvin, you know one of the, the teams you're talking about, Florida. I mean, they lost to Wisconsin, who you know isn't even one of the top two or three schools out there. You know, they're they're up there in the Big Ten, but I mean they're not the premier Big Ten team. So you know Wisconsin's got some some I think three top twenty five wins, and so does Michigan State, for instance. I mean, so these teams have played uh, a lot of good teams, Tarvin. So I think that. Um, you know, you look at the Big, the Big Ten, they're 6-12, and 12, I think, against the top 25 overall, which is not too shabby. Uh, and a lot of those losses are against each other in the Big Ten. So, uh, you know, they're, they're a good conference, and I could see several of those teams making some sort of sporadic run just because they're so deep and they've been playing against each other. You know, it's kind of like the SEC in football, man. There's a lot of teams in there who are pretty darn good. Well, I tried to get you to bite on that, Trey, and you didn't. So good job on that when I was. And and you're right, in basketball, if you watch Michigan last year, I think when you're playing week in and week out, you're playing that great competition every week. I think when you get to a tournament and you get a little momentum, look what Michigan did last year. There's some very good teams in the Big Ten this year. And if you saw today, Trey, who was it? Wisconsin beat Michigan – or who did they beat? Michigan. Michigan State lost today to Nebraska. Nebraska is one of those teams that are – coming on strong right now. So you're right. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to project a Big Ten team to win it this year, but, man, in that tournament, all you have to do is get hot. And if you, you're battle-tested and everything, and maybe that's why Wichita State's not getting any love right now. They're 26-0. But, really, who have they beaten this year, Trey, that would make you say, wow, they're deserving of that number two ranking? Yeah, I mean, just talking about, you know, you know you're wondering if you're listening to the show and you're, you're listening to RPI talk, I mean, RPI is really big uh, because that's why a lot of these folks, when they talk about tournament seeding and that kind of stuff, they're looking at. And, you know, the Missouri Valley Conference is 11th in RPI. That's behind the Mountain West, the West Coast, the American Athletic Conference, the SEC, the A-10, uh, the Atlantic Coast, uh, Big East, Pac-12, Big Ten, and Big 12. So the Missouri Valley Conference, if you're looking at rankings and why they may be ranked a little lower, uh, it's because of that competition you're, you're discussing, Tarvin, that this is a conference, and even Wichita State, uh, that they're two and six against the top twenty-five overall, and that one, or excuse me, that um, and that uh, one, excuse me, one win I think, or two wins, are against uh, number twenty-three VCU, I believe, uh, and then uh, Wichita State. I mean, so that, and that was St. Louis. So 
you're you're not talking about uh, premier teams or out of conference uh, large wins. The, the the mountain, excuse me, the um, this conference just doesn't have it, Carvin. That's why he's in the Missouri Valley, and Wichita State aren't getting some of the love that a lot of people think they deserve. Well, a team right now in the AP number twenty-two, the Texas Longhorns, at twenty and five. Is it just me, or is this Texas team a lot better than that ranking? I mean, I know the Big Twelve is not where it, where it needs to be, or or where it has been in the past. But Trey, why is Texas not getting any love? They have the name Texas. I mean, twenty and five—that's a pretty good record, and some of the teams they've beaten pretty good. Why are they not getting any love? Well, you know, you say the Big 12 isn't where they should be, Tarvin. They're number one in RPI as a conference, which is surprising. I think a lot of people would not um, no, I would. them out. I mean, the, the Big 12 right now, RPI number one, that's surprising to me. Uh, but, I you know, thought the you ACC have, would be. Yeah, the ACC is not. And that's, that, the big, you know, with the Big 10 number two, the ACC, I think, is fourth in RPI. So you're talking about just right now and, you know, this and the strength of schedules and that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just very odd. Uh, but the Big 12, because of Kansas, um, you know, talking about that win against Duke, uh, that that really sits out. You got Baylor beating Kentucky. You have Iowa State beating Michigan, and that's a big win for this conference because you know Michigan was ranked number 14 at the time, and Iowa State was not ranked. So, and then of course the Kansas State over Gonzaga. I mean, you, there's some really interesting wins the Big 12 had, but Texas has, really hasn't had any of those wins, Harvard, and That's kind of the problem for Texas is there's no marquee victory for them against a conference opponent. Well, is, there a, is, is Texas a team, in your opinion, that can make a tournament push late and, and maybe do some damage? I think so. Yeah, I think Texas is an interesting team, Tarvin. I think they're they're obviously somewhere uh, sort of sitting on the bubble. But, I mean, the Longhorns, they're a team that's at 20-5 and five with a lot of talent. They're probably going to get in. I, I would give them the nod to get in. Uh, but, you know, you just want to see something out of them in the way of a marquee win to give you confidence in the tournament. Because right now they're number two in the Big 12. Yeah, well, let me give the call-in number real quick for anybody out there listening who'd like to call in. And 646-716-5564. Join us. The chat room's a little quiet right now. Hopefully people will start coming in at around 9. Um, Trey, great listen last week. Had a lot of listeners and the show's doing very well. Just wanted you to know that. Um, but I think college football and the NFL being down, I think people, what do you think, they're taking a break from the radio live or something on Sunday night? Oh, maybe. Maybe maybe spending some more valuable family time. I know I did some of that today, too. So, you know, it's, uh, but it's a good to snuggle up on a, on a cold evening, Carvin, and, and, and listen to us here in Way in Sports. And remember, you can always call us. Hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook, and let us know which one, what you think about these issues. Yeah, and if you'd like a topic you'd like us to discuss on the next show, put it out there. We'll we'll be more than happy to discuss it. And, and Trey, I'm ready if you are. You know, is there anything on college basketball you'd like to touch? We have a month left until Selection Sunday. What that means is we we're going to be touching the conference tournaments when they come out as well. A lot to discuss in basketball, and a long way to go this month is going to tell the story, Trey, and we'll see if my Kentucky Wildcats, the team I've been praising, I can't say I'm a Kentucky Wildcat fan because I'm not, but I like watching them play. We'll see. A lot a lot of things can happen in this last month. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're, you're talking about, um, you know, teams. You're, you're, you mentioned Texas being a team who could make a run. I mean, you know, obviously a ranked team. Another team I really like, uh, which is a mid-major, which is Creighton, 
Uh, made a tournament run last year. Have a really good player, a national type of player who could, you know, get player of, of the year consideration. I mean, this is a team that could have that tournament sort of sparkle to them to be that mid-major, that butler, if you will, that kind of move, that kind of moves into the tournament. I mean, right now, I mean, Creighton, you, you don't think about them being a Big East team, Tarvin, but they're a Big East team now, even though the Big East is different. So kind of crazy to consider Creighton uh, sort of that mid-major feel. Um, I kind of think I just called them a mid-major, still sort of in that old-school mentality, but Creighton is still a team that I think that could be interesting. Yeah, I do too. Well, well Trey, let's move on to to some college football news, but I want to ask a question first, and this is serious, and this is not bashing any fan base, but Trey, where have the Alabama fans gone since November? I mean, have they disappeared? I mean, I don't see them anymore. Do you? No, and you know, and it's not just Alabama fans. Sorry, I mean, we we lost two, or at least one, a very vocal Auburn fan as well from our show after the after the season. And you know, I mean, where, where's Tino, Tarvin? Where, where, where's, where are all these Alabama fans who were calling in all the time to our show and everything? I mean, they are MIA, Tarvin. Yeah, we had Auburn fans calling in a lot, Alabama fans, but when that Iron Bowl, that kick six happened, it's just like a, a deflated balloon or something. I don't know what happened, but if you're out there and you're depressed, please call in the show. This will help you with your depression. This is therapeutic, Trey. This show is therapy for everybody out there, but I don't know. But I have a question about Nick Saban, though. Man, I want your opinions on this. We might have touched on – we may have touched on this shortly a a week ago, but I don't know how familiar you are with this hurry-up, no-huddles offense. What they're trying to do is uh, the rules committee, we're just going to put it up to a vote in March, I think March 6th, that they want to slow the game down to where a team has to wait until 29 seconds left on the play clock to snap the ball. So it starts at 40, so that's 11 seconds, Trey. They want to do it, and they're they're using safety as the issue. So I just want to hear your thoughts to start with, and then I'll give mine. Well, you know, we, you and I talked about this a little bit last show, but since then I've, I've sort of you know had a chance to even think about it even more. Uh, David Pollock of ESPN said uh, what I think is the most common argument for those who, who think this rule is a good idea, which is, well, of course, it's common sense. If you're on the field more, then you have more of an opportunity to get hurt. How is it not a safety issue? Well, Tarvin, there's a there's a lot of things that you could eliminate from college football and lessen the plays. And I don't see a lot of that talk uh, changing. You know, I don't see other types of situations being at issue. Uh, if that's really really the, you know, we're trying to create less plays, I mean, then there would be, you know, no out of bounds, there'd be a run, you know, I mean, the clock would never stop, I mean, no TV timeouts, I mean, there's, I mean, TV timeouts, Tarvin, I mean, uh, you, you, I mean, you could make 300, you know, you could just do all kinds of stuff to really lessen the amount of plays, uh, and, and I just don't see any of that stuff being considered, so I don't think it's a safety issue, and in fact, I think this is more about, um, the defensive-minded coaches who don't like the mantra that we've had in college football, which is offense. Offense puts people in the stand. It lets us all watch ESPN or CBS or whatever channel Fox to tune into the big games because of the scoring. It puts people in the seats. Uh, but I think some coaches don't like it. Well, Trey, my my issue is is they're they're – they're talking about safety, and they have no data to back this up. They have no proof. And, and if you look at the teams 
the and I'm going to name teams that are fast paced, hurry up, Oregon, Arizona, teams like that. If you look at the injury bug, if you look at these teams, Trey, you never see any major injuries. And and the reason is the guys are in shape, they're at a lighter weight. And I mean they're in shape, that's the bottom line where if you look in the SEC, you see some of these guys are 3 400 pounds, they they're going to have diabetes. I think Colin Coward said that, you know. That's the health issue. You got these big mammoths at three, four hundred pounds that coming out of high school, and and they're not healthy. They're going to have diabetes. But you see these guys working hard, staying in shape. Why do they not get hurt, Trey? Why do the the two hundred pound guys that can run a four or five never get hurt? Well, I mean that's, that's, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting. I was, I was just thinking there. That's an interesting point. I mean, obviously players of all caliber get hurt, but, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, like, how often do you see ACL injuries um, and that kind of stuff for certain positions? I mean, it is. It seems to be a lot of skill positions. But And, and honestly, Tarvin, if, if you break down, let's say, ACL injuries in, in college football, I mean, you would imagine, and I don't have the data in front of me, but I would, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd wager a little bit that it's mostly skill position guys. It's mostly running backs. It's mostly receivers. It's mostly the guys who cover those guys. Um, it's not uh, the guys who are – I mean, who's on the field more than anybody? Linemen, offensive linemen are. They're not the ones who are coming down with these injuries. Uh, in fact, receivers are probably one of the more rotated positions out there, uh, and as well as defensive backs and linebackers. So, yeah, you're right, Tarvin. I don't bind the safety. I, don't, I haven't seen – you know, nobody's been able to, to put any numbers up because I don't think numbers exist. Nope. And, you know, this is not an Auburn argument, Trey. Auburn never snaps the ball before then anyway. They they like to hurry up to the line. But what's it going to be like in a game when you're, you know, you're behind two or three touchdowns and there's seven, eight minutes on the clock and you can't get into kind of a hurry-up mode to get a rhythm established. You have to wait to the last two minutes of each half. And I don't know, if, if you're going to take that away from the offense, and I heard somebody said, I can't remember it, why don't you have the linebacker, and I think Rich Rodriguez said it, why don't you have the linebackers hold their hand up before they blitz? And then who, who was the coach that said it, Trey? You know, they ought to limit the number of five-star players on the field for each team, too. Maybe maybe that could prevent injury. You have all these big five-star athletes hitting guys. That could cause injuries, couldn't it? So maybe they should start spreading the five-star talent out. I mean, just stupid, stupid things like that. Well, yeah, here, here's my, I guess, my thought, Tarvin, on um, player safety in this. So, you know, here's, here's what I imagine would happen, Tarvin. So you have a quarterback who's trying to get to the line, and now he has to worry about a delay of game, if you will, for snapping the ball too early. So now you have a quarterback who is watching the clock, not only for letting the clock count down, making sure that he's in the window now because now it's not just a countdown clock, but now now it's a window clock. You have to be under 29 seconds, but, you know, obviously before one, so you have to be somewhere in that middle ground. So he's watching the clock. He's trying to read defenses. I mean, if we're, we're already trying to protect the quarterback, Tarvin, don't you see the quarterback now as one of the more vulnerable positions in all this because he's got too much to manage and he's going to get blindsided by somebody? It seems to me that you could have more injuries because there are more people on the field distracted by the clock. Yeah, I, I, that's a great argument. And, and, and one thing I thought of is, well, add a, new, add a timeout to each team. You said something about the TV timeout. I mean, they do a lot of those. If you watch a college football game, 
Then, and most of them are televised now. Not every game's on TV. How many commercial breaks do you get? I mean, as a fan in the stands, you're watching it. There's like 10 minutes goes by. Um, they'll call a timeout, and then here you come again. That's plenty of time to rest. But I want to ask you a question and see if this, see if you get it right. Which sport do you think is the most dangerous sport? Do you think boxing or MMA? What do you mean by it? I guess define dangerous. Well, I mean, like, if, if you thought of, well, if I'm going to be a boxer or MMA, which one do I, am I least likely to, to have a big injury in? Concussions or any kind of health issues? Nah, uh, I'll go MMA. Well, it's, it's like your MMA is least, less dangerous than boxing, and, they, you know, the boxing, they have heavier gloves, and you, you can withstand more punches to the head. You know, you, keep, you see so many punches being thrown. MMA, you get hit in the chin one time, and it's over with. You're out, but you're not going to keep getting repeated head injuries and things like that. I just thought that was an interesting question. But, but one thing I want to ask about, why is Nick Saban the only coach that knew about this? No other coach really knew about this rule at all. And he had a chance to address the rules committee. And I didn't even know who the rules committee was, but why is Nick Saban given the right to know this rule but also to address the committee when none of these other coaches, none, were even, didn't even know it existed or was going to come up? That, that's really troubling to me. Yeah, I mean, Hugh, Hugh, Hugh Freeze said uh, in the public, too, that he would have loved to have known about this meeting and, and sent somebody of his own, um, you know, demeanor. So it is that is weird. Uh, that, yeah. that you know, Saban had an audience. The other folks seemed to not, and you know, I don't know if if, if they are the ones who somehow um, had an inside track to that thing. Yeah, I don't know, Tarvin, but it is very intriguing that Nick Saban, being a very a proponent of this sort of measure, um, was the only person who spoke there. Then you see, yeah, him and Brett Billima uh, knew about everything. But tell me, what what are the odds of this getting passed? This getting passed and starting in 2014, right now, this next football season, do you think it's going to pass, Trey? Well, I think if I'm right, and, and hopefully if somebody's listening, please you know call in and, and tell me if I'm wrong. But I think this isn't a this is not a rule change year, and so this rule could not take effect next year, even if passed. Uh, somebody correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know where Paul is tonight, but um, but I, so I, th- I think there, there's that issue. But I think number two, Tarvin, is I'm not I'm not sure there's enough um, enough support right now in college football for this. There's a lot of outspoken critics, and so I think to pass something like this would be kind of too. Yeah, and, and and tell me what you think of you know the 29 seconds is getting close. So you you have to sit here. And like you said, as a quarterback, worry about, okay, let me look at the clock. Let me wait, wait while I'm doing the – but what if the defense comes in when the play clock's at 30, Trey, and then they want to substitute? How's that going to do? And then you have another 10 seconds go by. I mean, this could get to the point where defenses, you know, these coaches are smart. They're going to find ways to even embellish what's happening right now. So instead of 29, it'll probably be 19. Right. Yeah, I mean, there there's so many issues with with this rule. I just don't think it's you know I don't think it's well thought out. I don't think it's a good rule. There, if you if you're the defense and you want to level the playing field, there's a there's various other ways to actually do it with an up tempo offense. And you already see them fake injuries as it is. So I, mean, I think there's there's way too many ways to you know not change rules to actually 
you know, get yourself back on what you would call an even playing field. Well, you know, Alabama went through a time where they dominated football, and it, it seemed like the coaches, what you had to do is you had to recruit and you had to plan to be able to beat an Alabama. How are you going to beat an Alabama team loaded with five stars? Well, they found out how to do it, and they exposed it. Well, now don't you think it would be fair for Saban to have to turn around and actually hire the certain coaches, recruit the certain type of players to – to combat that, it just seems like to me he's having trouble with the issue of, of having to beat that type of offense where every other coach had to come and, and actually prepare to beat him. So Bob Stoops must have done something. That kick six for Auburn and Bob Stoops really did something to save it. I think he's very pissed off right now. Well, you know, what also is interesting about this whole thing with Saban is the Brian Lane Kiffin, who is, you know, a guy who can run about typical offense. So, uh, you know, I don't know what he's doing, Tarvin, and I don't understand why this is uh, even proposed as a rule change um, without any data whatsoever because they're supposed to present data at these places. When you have a rules change and you're basing it on something, it can't be hyperbole, it can't be speculation, and it seems that's what we have, which is – and by the way, the, I'm just pointing this out, Tarvin, the argument, uh, which seems to be the main argument, that you know, more plays equals more injuries is is a false argument. That's just like saying, well, everybody knows X. But just because you say everybody knows something doesn't mean everyone actually knows it. So it's, yeah, just, you're it's right. a flawed argument. Well, you know, we talked about all these fans disappearing and people not calling in, you know, certain teams. But, you know, one of our callers, Jason Minson, Trey, he said this was one of the worst football seasons he's ever witnessed, and it wasn't any fun. So tell me what you thought about this past college football season, and why would Jason say something like that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Minnesota didn't finish the season strong. I, maybe that's it. But, I mean, I think it was, it's a, you know, insanely, insanely um, exciting, exciting football year. I mean, you had uh, so many games that were decided at the very end um, all around. I mean, you know, obviously – um, you know, there were, you know, some conferences that didn't show very well. But, I mean, they we're talking about, you know, from the very beginning of the season, the Arizona State, Wisconsin, you know, finale, debacle. I mean, just it started early, Tarvin. It started very early. I mean, it was a great season. Well, Trey, you've been accused of being a Big Ten hater and always ripping <laughs> on the Big Ten. What, what, what is your argument to that? What is your defense? Well, you know, here's the thing is, is, is for those who say that, I'm repping the Big Ten pretty hard in college basketball. So, I mean, I'm, I'm more based on results. I mean, I, you know, I, I would love the Big Ten to be better. I mean, obviously, I'm a, I'm a you know, my spouse bandwagon is in Nebraska. Uh, so, I, I'm repping the Big Ten in that regard. Tarvin. But, you know, the Big Ten just hasn't put it out in the field. I mean, I, you know, it just, that's just the way it is. Yeah, I think, and this is my take, fans that didn't enjoy this football season – the only way you couldn't enjoy a football season is if your team didn't do as good, they weren't talked about much, or they lost. Because me, as an Auburn fan, Trey, I was in heaven all season. Even that national championship game was amazing. It was probably one of the best seasons I've ever witnessed as an Auburn person. So to me, college football was amazing. To you, being a Florida State fan, it was amazing. So do you agree with that? The only way you couldn't like college football this year is if your team didn't do as well as you was hoping. Yeah, but I think there were a lot of games that really, you know, made me scratch my head or, um, you know, just be like looking at my TV going, did that really just happen? Uh, so, I mean, there there are moments this year um, that I think a lot of people, if you're just a college football fan, can get behind. I mean, 
I am not an Auburn nor Alabama fan, but that, that finish was incredible. The Georgia finish uh, that Auburn did was incredible. And then the Nebraska Hail Mary was incredible. I mean, there's just a lot of moments that I thought were, were, were extremely entertaining. Uh, you know, and I made the kickoff game this past year, Tarvin. I'm going to try to do it again next year, too. You know, I was at the Alabama-Virginia Tech game. So, you know, it was a it was a great finish to the season, obviously, for me. But I think for, for fans in general, it, it certainly was entertaining. Well, the game to me that I was at that really did it for me was the Georgia game. I got to go to that game and see that. I was on the 50-yard line when the – when the Hail Mary, it wasn't a Hail Mary, when the bomb happened and that touchdown, one of the greatest finishes of all time, and then the Iron Bowl to follow it up. Just what a year, man. I mean, what a year in college football. And it just seems like every year in college football is amazing because it's just so much passion involved in it. And now we come up this year, Trey, we have a four-team playoff. That, how exciting and how, how much debate are we going to have this year on the show when we're talking about halfway through the season which teams are going to be in the Final Four? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be it's going to be obviously a debate, I and mean, people are going to be fired up about that. I think the fourth spot, particularly, I and mean, I think we're going to probably have an easy easier time in the top three, but certainly the fourth spot is going to be interesting. Well, I, I don't even want to make projections right now. I wouldn't even attempt to make projections right now until I have a chance to study and look through the the spring games. But just some news before we move on to Florida State, Trey. Auburn did get the ESPN. Their spring game is going to be televised on ESPN this year. And Alabama is going to be televised on ESPN Trey. I mean, maybe that's why the Bama fans are disappearing right now. I don't know. That's a, I mean, I, you know, it's funny. Both Florida State and Auburn now are, are ESPN spring games. I, I kind of assumed Alabama would, too, just for the amount of five stars they're going to be going against each other. So that's interesting. I didn't know that Alabama did not make the ESPN cut, but that's surprising because I actually probably would tune into Alabama's game. Yeah, and I'm going to watch their game too. And but you have the excitement now with Auburn. They had they sold out last year's spring game. The season they had Gus Malzahn. Now you have Winston coming back for Florida State, trying to defend the national championship. It's all about really the the hype you have around you. But speaking of hype. Uh, I think there was a Heisman Trophy winning national championship quarterback that got a got a save for Florida State this past week, Trey. Yeah, I was going to ask you. I mean, I, I don't know if anybody's listening. Please post it to Weigh In Sports. Post it on our message board or on our Facebook page. I don't know of any Heisman Trophy winning player to ever be named in the following year or any year to a baseball All American team. I mean, Winston was a third team All American. And you may think, well, okay, third team. Well, Tarvin, there's uh, there's almost 200 Division College One, or excuse me, Division One college baseball teams, and there's more baseball, you know, players um, than there than there generally are. You know, my, and then some less baseball players than our football players. You have what 25 to make uh, the All-American team versus in baseball, there's there's far fewer spots. So, I mean, tell me, Tarvin. I mean, Winston goes out his first outing of the season throws. Uh, six straight outs or six scoreless outs, uh, two two solid innings and a save. Um, I mean, are we looking at unprecedented uh, sort of? I mean, I don't even know what to call it, Tarvin. I mean, Heisman Trophy winner, All American in baseball. <laughs> I mean, I mean, can he well, win the Golden Spikes and take the take Florida State to the championship in baseball too? Trade my drive in basketball. You never know about Winston, but what about Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders? It seemed like Bo could have been an All American in baseball. 
and and did it in football as well. They won a Heisman. What do you think about yeah, both? He's, those two are the ones that came to mind for me as well. I just don't have the stats, but if you have them, please let us know. But yeah, I mean, other than you know Bo Jackson, who might have been. I mean, he's certainly. I actually think Bo Jackson was probably better in baseball than he was in football, which is super scary because the guy was a beast on the field in football. Um, and then you have Deion Sanders, who you know obviously was. Um, you know, a playoff baseball player and, you know, a major leaguer and then obviously an all-pro, you know, Hall of Famer in NFL. So, yeah, other than those two, Tarvin and still, I don't even know if they would have gotten there because uh, Dion didn't win a Heisman. I think obviously Bo did. But, yeah, I mean, so it's crazy, Tarvin. I mean, just to think that, you know, that that's happening right now with a, with an athlete the way we are today, it's just a, a to me, a mind-boggling uh, statistic that, you know, he was a third, you know, third ballot all preseason All-American in baseball. Well, you know, we talk about him leaving to go to the NFL and everything. Well, Winston may be having so much fun in school, you know, being so good in baseball and football that he could stay three years in, in college and and do both sports. I mean, him playing baseball would be a reason for him to stay, wouldn't it? Yeah, and it's actually what, pe- what, what people are saying he will stay and – you know, here's the thing. Is Winston going to be the next, you know, MLB NFLer? I mean, it's certainly possible. Uh, and I, I kind of miss it, to be honest. I miss Bo Jackson, you know, playing in the Major League Baseball and the NFL. I miss Deion Sanders doing it. I mean, Brian Jordan did it, uh, if you recall, the safety from Atlanta and played in you know, the outfield for Atlanta Falcons. You know, I miss, um, you know, I kind of that, I don't know, back and forth. It was kind of neat to see, you know, a player play both sports. Uh, I would love to see a basketball player do it. I mean, they're talking about LeBron going to play tight end or something. Why not? I'd love to see that kind of crossover, but uh, we'll see if it ever if it happens. Well, you see Russell Wilson right now. He's, he may come to, to camp and actually – or training camp and actually play some baseball. That would be awesome to see that. But do you remember Dion? He, I think he was the first player to score a touchdown and hit a home run in the same day. Yeah. I mean, I'll – that's the kind of thing that, that really gets the sporting world buzz, and, and I just, you know, I'd love to see that kind of stuff again. I hope Russell Wilson does try it. I mean, I'm not a Russell Wilson fan, but I certainly would be if he tried to do his uh, thing in baseball. Well, Trey, real quick in the All Star game, the East is up 38 to 34 right now in the first period with two minutes left, and I've been watching it for a couple minutes while on the show. No defense at all being played. Alley oop after alley oop. I mean, this is God. If you like scoring, you need to watch the NBA All-Star game because there's no defense at all in it. And I just wanted to throw <laughs> that out there real quick. But, Trey, before we go, this is the last topic I want to discuss, and we can hit something if you want to. But I just want to see what you think. I've thought about the findings of Incognito and Martin. You know, I was torn when I first heard this story. You know, on this show, I was kind of defending Incognito a little bit, you know, trying to play devil's advocate and everything. But after these findings came out, Man, this incognito is a bad, bad dude, man. I mean, just God. And, and you know, it, what surprised me was how many players involved in Miami were, were doing this harassing and bullying, what they were doing to trainers, calling them racial slurs and everything. What are your thoughts about these findings you read about? Yeah, I mean, well, one, I think, uh, obviously, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, Mike Pouncey and the other linemen uh, basically getting out in the uh, – in the story, what, what I thought was interesting, Tarvin, was apparently there was an openly gay player uh, in the locker room and that who was not <laughs> named in the report. And uh, one of the things that was, uh, I guess, um, 
harshly criticized was their conduct towards that player. And then the other thing that's even worse, Tarvin, than all of that and everything that you said was that the O-line coach apparently was a ringleader in all of it. And then when they interviewed him, his story was absolutely ridiculous, claiming that he didn't know that he bought, like, blow-up dolls, including a gay blow-up doll for this one player who was gay <laughs> um, for Christmas as a gag gift. And he was like, oh, I don't recall buying gag gifts like that. It's like, dude, if I bought, you know, eight blow-up dolls for a gag gift for Christmas, don't you think it's that? I mean, I remember three years ago or four years ago, Carvin, I bought a talking parrot for somebody as a gag gift for a, a secret Santa. I mean, I, I just... I found that ridiculous, and that just, to me, put it over the top on the outrageous conduct that was probably supervised and allowed by this offensive line coach. Well, you look at Mike Pouncey's name involved in this, and when I heard it, it, it didn't surprise me any. This is a guy that, that was on camera with a T-shirt trying to free Hernandez, Aaron Hernandez, and this is another Florida guy. I mean, what's going on in Miami? For them to say that the coaches didn't know about this, Trey, how in the world could the coaches not know that all of this was going on in their locker room? Oh, yeah, well, we know the offensive line coach knew, and they say that Joe Philbin was asleep at the wheel. You can believe that if you want. The report seems to. Um, But we know the offensive line coach knew. Obviously, I think the next step would be whether the offensive coordinator knew. Um, He is, is certainly not named or outed in the report as knowing, but and Tarvin, I, I just yeah, you're right. It becomes uh, a little bit harder to, to digest if you think that you know everybody in the organization outside of the offensive line coach was asleep at the wheel. It just makes really no common sense. Well, Richie Incognito, where does he go from here? Is there going to be an NFL team out there that's going to give him another chance? And and with these players now maybe possibly coming out, coming out of the closet, you know. Some, talking about their being gay. I mean, maybe they're afraid now even more of, of what could happen. Imagine these guys coming out and playing on teams. Like, you know it's happening more places than Miami. Miami is not the only place that this is happening. There's no way it could possibly be. But, but man, what, what's going to happen with Incognito? Is he going to have a job in the near future? Well, I mean, it's not only him. You know, it's Mike Pouncey, I think, who's a free agent as well who um, many thought we were going to get a pretty big contract from the Dolphins. You know, what, what's going to happen to him? Uh, is the NFL going to suspend any and or all? And I think one of the, the people that has really been bantied about being hammered, uh, especially based on the bounty gate of the, of the Saints, uh, is this offensive line coach. I'm sorry, his name is eluding me, but, um, you know, is he going to be suspended for the entire year just, to, you know, the way the NFL did? Uh, because, you know, one of the things that, you know, Goodell has been a very big proponent of is if you come clean – and admit your wrongs, he goes easier on you. And so you have this offensive line coach basically lying during the investigation, uh, and we saw how Goodell handled that before with you know year-long suspensions and that kind of stuff. So is Goodell going to come down hard on this? And this will be an interesting um, you know, moment of litigation, if you will, for the NFL based on you know, you know you have the Michael Sam stuff, you have this report. You know, how is Goodell going to handle um, the sort of social inequality type of issues, um, because this is going to be apparently the next big issue in the NFL. What do you think about this this book Incognito kept this notebook of of all these fines and everything that they would like a kangaroo court and and the fines? What do you know about that? Yeah, well, I know Incognito wanted to destroy the book and apparently asked or 
sent orders to destroy it. Um, like any <laughs> criminal, I'll tell you, that I've represented, they, they very quickly destroy the evidence that is the worst against them. So, you know, apparently incognito is no better than, uh, you know, a lot of the clients I've had. So, you know, Tarvin, I, I make of this that, you know, he's an idiot for having incriminating evidence like this that he just kept on file. Um, I mean, you're going to have stuff. What, what does it matter if it, what happened last year? <laughs> I guess maybe they were trying to have some, have some sort of precedent. But, yeah, I mean, this kind of stuff, I mean, this, this is the nail in the coffin part of it, and just ridiculous. Well, I mean, I'm trying to, to get into the head of incognito. I know it's hard, Trey, but we see it in, in middle school, the bullying and everything. You know how kids can be, but what possesses a man in his, I don't know, how old is he, in his late 20s probably, or even, it doesn't matter, mid-20s, the 30s. How does a man go out and bully other people? I mean, why does he do what he does? You know, uh, I wish I could get in his head as well, Tarvin. You're right, and this is grown men playing a, you know, a game and really acting like middle schoolers. Um, I mean, you know, I'm in the military. We certainly have, um, you know, close bonds when you're deployed. But, you know, even there's a there's respect and there's not degrading stuff. And we joke around with each other. We'll call each other names from time to time. But it's never, there's never any lines crossed. I mean, they were talking about raping, you know, Jonathan Martin's sister who they didn't even know. You know, that's certainly yeah. not a joke that I can say that has ever been told in any kind of instance around me when I was deployed. I mean, it didn't, I mean, you know, that's just, that is way beyond um, any kind of joking that would ever be, you know, copacetic tarp. And I just can't imagine being in a, a situation where, you know, threatening to rape someone you don't know, sister, was okay. Yeah, and you know, and I, I want to. We're not talking college here. We're talking NFL football. This, these are professionals. They draw a paycheck. They have ethics. They have to go by. It's just like a business trade. What would happen? I go into work Monday morning, and I have a guy of Asian descent. I start mocking him, making fun of him, calling him racial slurs. I have a homosexual say working for me, and I start talking bad about them. What would happen to me? In a corporate, in corporate, you know, environment like that in corporate America. Well, I mean, you'd be fired, you know, faster than you can probably finish your sentence. So why do these guys? Why is it? Why is it okay to do that verbally and do all of this? I mean, shouldn't they be treated the same as we are? I mean, we we're professionals. We do a job. We get paid for it. We don't make as much money as they do, of course. But I mean, what's the difference in incognito doing it and me? Yeah, I, mean, I I can't argue at all with what you're saying. I mean, you make that's a great point. Well, I just think, I mean, Goodell, I think they need to start stressing this and, and making these guys accountable, and I think Goodell will. But to prevent this going forward, Trey, what are they going to do in the NFL? How do you change this culture, and how do you get these guys to start thinking they're professionals instead of acting like a bunch of juveniles? Well, I mean, it, it does start – you know, sort of one rule at a time, one, uh, you know, one Goodell punishment at a time, and they have to set a tone, um, you know, that, that this stuff is not going to be tolerated in, in, in any way possible, and they they have to drop the hammer down. I think, I think you know, on this situation, the hammer has to be brought down on these guys. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I don't think Martin's going to be looked at. Do you think he's going to be viewed 
to other teams he goes to as a problem, uh, you know, just causing issues in the locker room because of what he did. Because I think it's actually, you know, at first I didn't really agree with him. I thought he should have just knocked the guy in the face. But, Trey, he's dealing with this from several people. It's not just one man. This is in several players on a team. It would be very intimidating. You had three people always, you know, big men, grown men, violent men. If you're not a violent person, it would be very intimidating. Yeah, I mean, this is what's going to happen with him, but then, you know, the other guy's name was Eller or something like that, and, and, you know, and, and all these guys, I think he's going to set a big tone. And, and, you know, honestly, I don't even know if Martin will get on with the team. And this, this could be one of those situations where everyone's gone, um, you know, from the NFL. I don't know. I mean, I think if anybody gets a second chance, it might be Martin. Uh, but, you yeah. know, who knows? You know, there's still some incognito supporters out there, Trey, a lot of them. I mean, what do you say to those incognito supporters right now that's telling Martin, ah, you should be a grown man and just deal with it? What do you say to those people? Well, I mean, you know, I think you just you can't really justify a lot of what was in that report at all. I mean, I just don't, you know, I, I don't see in any way which justification and protection of that behavior uh, is going to be deemed okay. And, and let's go back. You see, you see Pouncey's name mentioned. We know how Aaron Hernandez is. If we went and really had Urban Meyer be honest with us, Trey, what would he say about this Pouncey guy? Do you think the same kind of behavior went on at Florida when Urban Meyer was there? Yeah, I mean, I, I do you really think it wouldn't? I mean, do you really think these guys just changed in the NFL? No, that, that's what I want to look at, is if you're going to change the culture in the NFL – you have to go to high school. You have to go to the NFA or college, and you have to start changing it there. Don't you think so? Because if you start making these guys accountable, I don't care, eighth grade, any kind of league you're in, you, this is zero tolerance, and this is very, it's a stress. There's education. There's classes. Uh, they're teaching these guys this, what it can do. I mean, how many people commit suicide every year, Trey, because they're bullied? I mean, think about that. Yeah, I mean, you have to think that maybe some of these programs actually were trying to enforce this. I mean, I think Ed Cognito was kicked off Nebraska's team twice uh, before finally getting kicked <laughs> off, and he was kicked off Oregon's team as well. I think it was an Oregon player in his freshman year. So, I mean, you know, I think when you talk about Ed Cognito, I mean, the guy was obviously talented uh, enough to be at two very prestigious programs and to be kicked off them both. Well, well do you think this happened? In, in the NBA or college basketball or even Major League Baseball because I, I just think in basketball that could be maybe an issue, but in baseball I just don't I don't think it would be a big issue. Which sport do you think would have the most bullying? Yeah, I mean I think if I think the NFL obviously has got to be number one. I think number two, um, you know, honestly it could be hockey. I mean, you know, the culture of hockey if you have you know one type of player. You know, with you know the foreign influence in hockey, you could have um, some racial stuff going on there, especially some anti, you know, certain countries that kind of stuff. I mean, hockey might be up there that we don't know, we just don't know about. Um, but if you know, some well, major sports it could be it could be basketball. Yeah, that's a good point. But the last thing I want to talk about in incognito is you have a trainer on this team that's of Asian descent, Trey, um, and they're making racial slurs to him. If you're a player and you're out there doing this to a trainer, a member of the staff, I mean, what does that tell you of the Miami Dolphins organization as a whole? 
Well, the, the that the you know that the insane are running the asylum. That's what it tells me. If I was a trainer I, and that was happening to me, I would go right up to the GM, whoever, the coaches, and say, "You're going to have to put a stop to this. I'm being, I'm being uh, bullied and all of this stuff being, you know, called names." And maybe that's why I'm sitting there telling you, the coaches, the GM, everybody in that organization knew what was going on, but the problem is. They had no leadership. And, and tell me about Tannehill real quick while we're on this subject. What do you think about him as a leader, him knowing all this was going on and never did anything? Well, remember, he's the one that came out in support of incognito. I'd love to see if he makes a statement after this. It'll be very interesting to see how he, hand, he handles himself from here on out because, you know, clearly this team did not have a leader. Yeah. First thing I would do is cut him from the team if he's supporting this guy. I would I would kick him off the team. I would find a way to loophole in the contract to get out. He would be bagging groceries next week if if he was on my team. But I don't know. This is probably one of the worst stories once you start digging into it, Trey, that that you've probably seen. This is probably worse than Bounty Gate, in my opinion. Because this is something internal you're doing to your own teammates. And how how are you gonna make the playoffs? How are you gonna to win a Super Bowl or hopefully win a Super Bowl one day with this kind of behavior on a team? I mean, that's the question I want to ask you. Oh, yeah, you're not. There's no way. Well, all right, man. We've made it an hour almost, Trey. I wanted to touch on that, and I was hoping people would call in to actually talk about that. But is there anything you want to talk about before we go? Yeah, just real quickly, Tarvin, 30 seconds or less. Uh, just the baseball preseason poll came out. Uh, in college baseball, I know college baseball is, uh, you know, maybe not very interesting for a lot of folks, but I think what's interesting about it so far to me, other than Winston's, you know, two-sport, you know, antics are, Tarvin, you look at the top ten of the preseason, and I know there's different polls out there, but I'm looking on Baseball America, ten, nine, eight, and seven are the SEC, so four SEC schools, and then six, five, number one are ACC, so two conferences right now, dominating college baseball in the very, very top. Of course, there are more teams ranked in those conferences. Obviously, the ACC has about five, three or four more, and the SEC does as well. So just, you know, talk about, you know, conferences overall, Tarvin and power, you know, power rankings in baseball. Looks like it's the ACC and SEC are going to dominate this year. Well, in closing here, I don't know if you heard, but Ray Rice, Baltimore Ravens running back, got arrested over the weekend. Did you hear? I did not hear that. Yeah, him and his, he was, he had a, I think he hit or made contact with a female in a casino or something. His fiance was got in trouble too as well. But Ray Rice, could that be some frustration, Trey, of that 600-yard season he had last year? Yeah, and Ray Rice, I mean, you know, his contract and everything, um, he might be on the cutting board for the uh, the Ravens because I mean, I think Pierce might be a better running back at this point anyway. Yeah, but I think there's something else going on with this guy, and it wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me if something else comes back. And Trey, before long, we have the NFL draft coming up. I know it seems a long way off. May they move the NFL draft to May? Uh, are you excited about this draft? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of overreaching, so that means a lot of for us to talk about. All right, man, but. Hey, join us Wednesday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. We'll bring you another great show. Trey, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you Wednesday night, everybody. See you guys. Right into this world.
all alone. God takes your soul. You're on your own. A crow flies straight. A perfect line. 